guys, guys, I'm sorry. No, there's a mistake. There's a mistake. Moonlight, you guys won Best Picture. Moonlight won. Come on, this is not a joke. This is not a joke. I'm afraid they read the wrong thing. This is not a joke. Moonlight has won Best Picture. Moonlight. Academy Awards of 2021 will be fall- falling this coming Monday on 25th April. But before that, we uh, at Bindi Wire have assembled to discuss the nuances that go behind behind a film making it to the Oscars. Because there are often times when you know we wish that our favorite film didn't make it to the Oscars. Uh, we have a lot of cliches around the Oscars, but there is a structure behind these cliches, and we'll be discussing that, and we'll be debunking some myths. around the oscars uh also also today like on a personal note whatever we'll be talking about i think i can speak on behalf of ayan also and we were as illiterate as an average cinephile before but yeah. after, after we met rishab we got to know a lot of shit because rishab is like the awards pandit of bindi wire <laughs> i am dying of embarrassment but <laughs> You have hyped me up way too much that now I can't even afford to fuck up even once. Like so, okay, <laughs> thanks for that. Yes. So, Rishab, I want you to give a simple explanation on how a film or a particular artist winning a particular Oscar. It is not just dependent on that one film. You know that person would be associated with. I believe the Oscar wins are dependent on other award ceremonies or just the circumstances around a particular film. How true does this observation hold for you? So what you said about how it's not just pertaining to what work he or she has done with that specific film. We need to understand first is not even the awards bodies that refer that sort of reward. these works beforehand but how do they even come into the conversation and this yeah. conversation by the way begins months and months before the actual award ceremonies begin to even take place and it is precisely that conversation that does carry all of these contenders into visibility and how do these contenders even achieve a certain amount of visibility that makes them quote unquote eligible for their consideration so in other words right. films at awards like oscars especially oscars they are yeah. not just judged on the basis of their artistic value there is a whole mm. business involved behind precisely right precisely so it also in my opinion has to do a lot with the backing of him gets this backing can be in the form of a studio or a particular person associated with that film yes. so so for example like again like this is this is a doubt i had uh leonardo dicaprio won his oscar mm-hmm. for the revenant now mm-hmm. one can argue that he deserved the award because his other nominees weren't uh, the other nominees in that category were not that strong but mm-hmm. there was always this campaign around dicaprio that see Caprio, DiCaprio, one of the best actors of our generation. He hasn't, and he's never won an Academy Award. Yeah, he's never won an Academy Award. He's never won an Academy Award. So, like, Revenant will be his his magnum opus. Magnum opus. 
because mm-hmm. because like the buzz was also the press buzz was also something like that like you know he's he's a method actor is eating raw meat so precisely so what you pointed out i remember this very distinctly that so the revenant released in december 2015 okay but the actual press that started around leo dicaprio's transformative role and his method acting it started in july so matlab in the minds of critics and academy voters the movie and dicaprio's acting was already in their mind even before watching exactly exactly so this was around the release of the very first teaser Mm-hmm. and this was in july and ever since then the conversation was just and just about how we need to reward leonardo dicaprio because it is his time and the campaign literally just became about that throughout the season mm-hmm. by the time it came to december and january and thanks to a, a massive box office success which mm-hmm. the revenant was and that re- that even propelled his campaign further that not only is he a method actor he's also a movie star and it could o- not work better mm-hmm. and he's oscarless like he's way overdue so it could yeah. not work better in his favor than anything also so. what happens like uh, we will get to you know the campaigning of a film and the press buzz attention of a film later but what happens is that often these days especially you know people think that oscars are very liberal because as you would have seen in golden globes in oscars the hosts the actors they love taking shots at donald trump they love taking shots at the republican president there was and people think that the oscars are very liberal because uh you know they gave moonlight the oscar for best picture they gave green book parasite you know all these non white dominated films but again this feels like a myth because the oscars are also dominated by strong i wouldn't say strong but at least i'm sure that the oscars not everyone at the oscars voting board is uh liberal at heart they can be as ayan right. had once said closeted conservatives so there is that myth also that you know people think that if any film is woke quote unquote so that it it has a chance at the oscars but that doesn't necessarily mean that the people voting for it are woke enough uh it has to do with how the academy itself is composed what the voter composition includes so the And, composition right, of actually, the academy hmm. composition of the academy should ideally include more people like if if it's america dominated also the americans should not just be white boomers right yeah so and, of, and for many now, years that yeah. was exactly the kind of composition that the academy had it had white men yeah over the age of 50 and that was the majority uh, of the composition of the Precisely. academy so and, i think this until, was like around... really recently so this brings me to an interesting point so in the 2000s uh, the movie traffic is notorious for winning best picture over brokeback mountain brokeback mountain as yep. many of us would know is a very powerful no, oh sorry 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 crash crash yeah, yeah, fuck, yeah. fuck fuck yeah. not traffic not traffic sorry crash <laughs> yeah yeah fuck <laughs> so so crash crash so that's not that's okay. Yeah, so Crash was this film that was universally panned for winning Best Picture, and it did mm. win Best Picture over uh, Brokeback Mountain, which we know yeah. was a very heartwarming, very moving gay drama. But even back then, in the two thousands, of course, some members of the Academy were quite conservative. I guess Rishabh can touch upon right. this. Was, was there any controversy regarding Brokeback Mountain? 
during its time so there was that i this was a recent discovery that um, some members and some of them being very uh, top rated actors of the 50s and 60s who were still voting members okay um one of them being none other than ernest bogline is in one of his interviews he very infamously said that uh, it's it's not a film for me like oh, all right i mean men can love men but i am into women so why would i even bother watching that an interesting point that rishab raised with producers or other filmmakers or even the academy voters actually going the extra mile and watching every film that is submitted yeah uh, at let's say the oscars specifically is something that happens recently um in in an example a recent example with the film never ready sometimes always yeah uh, which actually reflects a lot of what we've summed up so far about the ethnicity and the sort of conservative white catholic mindset of the academy because mm. never ready sometimes always is a film that is uh that deals with abortion and abortion rights hmm. and um it's very touching and very powerful and it's a film that clearly deserves a lot more recognition than it received and what happened with this film was i mean it seems like there was almost a deliberate sort of censorship or a smear campaign of sorts against it because uh the director elisa hitman she released an email that she received from one of the academy members hmm. uh saying that he was not interested in watching a film about murder as it was against his sort of as a as a grandparent of 14 grandchildren or something he said that i cannot exactly so this is yeah. like this is yeah. like how rishab said ernest bogline did not watch brokeback mountain despite being a voter because yeah. he's not into exactly. gay sex so i'm not going to watch the film so it's a uh, never really sometimes always director lisa hitman so she shared this screenshot of the email right uh, and interestingly it was taken down shortly after due okay. to whatever reasons her, her whatever problematic reasons her studios might have told exactly. her exactly don't play around So this is one voter that we got to know because of Lisa Hitman's Instagram post. There might be so many right. other voters who have their own biases. Any any other voter would be like, you know what, this film is too radical for me. Or like as for this That's guy, true. a movie on abortion, like even Makes I was uncomfortable. Yeah, and it's murder for him. <laughs> like right. I I don't understand. And then any any other film with graphic content that works but never really sometimes always is a murder film one thing basically is, yeah. the relationship that we sort of established between the academy voters hmm. their composition yeah. and the campaigns themselves is that the campaigns are specifically catering these academy voters hmm. and it it's a really tough job and a very expensive one at that for the campaigners to push their films to meet those criteria for their films to win big at the awards and this is exactly what happens at the oscars also like as you pointed out 
you know how campaigning can be an aggressive job talking about campaigning talking about aggressiveness uh one biggest example of behind the scenes corruption behind the scenes politics can be under harvey weinstein now absolutely right now everyone knows harvey weinstein weinstein as a sexual abuser and his career is over but at one point so people might not know but he used to call the shots and this is something that rishav only told me initially when i started understanding the politics behind oscars uh rishav like would you want to touch upon how <laughs> fucking shakespeare in love one best picture oh my god no <laughs> yeah ptsd yeah. okay okay so no. like, before we start before we start yeah. that, uh, because mere ko utna yaad nahi rehta and rishav is like a human imdb bro tell us <laughs> tell us about so shakespeare in love is a very very conventional film it's it's not a bad film but it's just a film of it's a trash <laughs> film it's horrible i am pretty sure had it not one best picture it's i would have liked it better. Would have been yeah, a lot yeah, better yeah yeah i mean, I mean the film is pretty much like the story is in its title shakespeare falls in love shakespeare <laughs> in love is the year in which it was it won best picture and it won uh, a lot of other awards also best actress best supporting mm. actress who were its uh, competitors that year um saving private ryan saving private and <laughs> life is okay, beautiful okay dude okay forget all the other nominees saving private ryan lost at the oscars for a movie of shakespeare falling in love one of the greatest yes. war epics <laughs> lost to shakespeare oh why the, the strong reason yeah. might be that it was a movie hai bhai shakespeare <laughs> <laughs> oh, no so so this this is a major example of why the oscars are often unreliable and a lot of the uh, many many uh, people who follow the awards they are confident that shakespeare in love won because it was produced by harvey weinstein and harvey weinstein yes. led an aggressive campaign so the only reason in fact in yeah. fact i think that year is indispensable to our study because i think that specific award season is when harvey weinstein established himself as a whole as bully who okay. controls everything whole business of campaigning as we understand it now hmm this whole aggressiveness this pushing a narrative this yeah, yeah. meeting every shaking hands with every voter and making sure that your presence is felt and like you charm them is something all, that was put all in place that, by Weinstein precisely he started it he is he is the mastermind behind that now it's come into practice for so long that it's become normalized but it wasn't as normal as it probably is now and he okay. brought that into play with shakespeare enough was a very targeted campaign that he wanted to defeat the hollywood darling steven spielberg he was very clear in his ambition 5 hmm. years before steven spielberg had won hollywood with schindler's list i mean of course based on its own merits also yeah of course he was hmm. showered with praise and of course that film won seven academy awards hmm. and he was trying to do the same with saving private ryan precisely so hmm. when saving private ryan was released in july hmm. um shakespeare and love was still undergoing test screenings okay it was still undergoing a lot of film editing and yes sir okay 
and of course semi private ryan immediately had like dominated the conversation that of course this is the film to watch out for it was mm-hmm. a massive box office success tom hanks was already a two time academy award winner mm-hmm. spielberg already was looking forward to a second win by then and yes it like it, it was pretty much a packed deal by then that yes it's probably spielberg's to lose like it cannot be anyone else yeah but then comes december harvey weinstein releases shakespeare and love around christmas hmm. and he sort of packages it as like this perfect christmas film that you should check out and matlab this is the probably the little underdog film that you should all be recognizing and how he did that hmm. he like his pr machine which was like that to me is very radical for its time the fact that he convinced through his pr machinery through yeah. his group his troop of journalists his film is overrated it, like you should consider something else okay he did not exactly say my film is better and imagine he had a full 3 months to do that the ceremony was in march late march yeah his film released in december yeah and by december of course no one was expecting that his film was going to make it big if not no just was... not just shakespeare and love in general all the films that have been produced or distributed by the weinstein company which was his company uh they yeah. seem to like almost you know worship him harvey weinstein by the 2000s like before the me too scandal but later on he wasn't like, apart from the sexual abuse uh, reports that came out later he had a reputation of being a bully and at the same time but the people who were associated with him they worshiped him so like i'll give you an example uh, this is not oscar related this was in the golden globes in 2012 when meryl streep won for playing margaret thatcher in the iron lady she won best actress she went on stage and meryl streep in her acceptance speech one of the first things that she said was harvey weinstein you are a god and everyone was like clapping mm-hmm. like yes he is a god everyone was agreeing you know and ironically meryl streep and these other people were the first ones to criticize him after me too and call him disgraceful and all that but so so yeah one, but that was probably to save their own asses in yeah, the process right? that might be a case but no, so even so as you mentioned meryl streep ka win and yeah. of course she also won the academy award Yeah, Harvey Weinstein very cleverly, and of course her primary competitor that year was Viola Davis for the help. The help, and yeah. given the fact that, um, there even till date there has been only one black actress so far, Halle Berry, to win Best Actress, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. people were already looking forward for a second winner in yeah. the lead category. Yeah, and Viola Davis was a very very strong contender that year. Okay, and Harvey Weinstein also <coughs> sabotaged Davis's campaign by very specifically focusing on it's been twenty nine years since Meryl Streep won her Oscar. It's her time. She needs to have a third. That was his entire camp. Like in the entire oh campaign God. trail, this was the narrative that remember it's been almost thirty. It's been three decades since yeah. Meryl Streep received her uh, last Oscar. So you need to like it is her time. Yeah, so fuck, that's, fuck that Viola exactly Davis. What <laughs> fuck Viola Davis. Precisely to give Meryl Streep that, that a third Oscar. Work. That is what worked. If there's anything that the Weinstein campaigning has brought to light over 
many many years of campaigns and many many years of best picture winners is that the oscars can be cracked and weinstein sort of perfected that formula so it clearly shows us that oscars have a lot of shady behind the scenes uh phenomenon happening in its campaigns but talking about campaigns like we have been talking a lot about campaigns in this episode people often think that just because an oscar nominated film or a oscar front runners buzz starts happening like a few months before the oscars so people think the film gains relevance only then but that's not the case every film that makes it to the oscars is not chosen at random it has a particular lifespan all these even film festivals like sundance cannes berlin venice all these film festivals happen way way before the actual awards season and some of these films oscar nominated films oscar winning films they try to start their campaign through these film festivals itself it's already like yeah. pre planned a year before so one could argue that the film festivals are the birthplace it's where there's the launching pads are, this is where the they're conceived the the entire campaigns the narratives are molded around how a film is received primarily i mean at first at the film festivals uh, and the film festivals basically give these films a platform regardless of their genres regardless of their budgets and regardless of the i don't know their reach Hmm. uh it gives them a platform for people of or you know, different kinds of people to come and view it and i don't know appreciate the film for what it is so these people include the general audience at some film festivals and other film festivals include really exclusive members like for instance critics. academy voters and mm-hmm. critics right mm-hmm. so-, so the three major film festivals that influence the academy campaigns the most arguably yeah are cannes yeah, which happens cannes. in france yeah uh toronto international film festival and of course venice and obviously there is telluride there is telluride and sundance as well yeah but i mean telluride I'm, actually campaign telluride actually is very specifically focused on the campaigning on a part Okay. because of its mm-hmm. very small demographic unlike venice mm-hmm. and toronto which are quite huge that way and even can for that yeah. matter yeah uh telluride yeah. because of its very small demographic can influence better because it's very mm-hmm. specifically catering to the like of course uh, the narrative around moonlight i think started from telluride itself okay mm-hmm. where it yeah. was conceived as okay this is of a, a contender to probably watch out for that's where it began by 824 so this is where the buzz starts the mainstream press that's where the buzz started starts yeah so so naturally uh, we need to shatter this myth we need to break this myth that the oscars rec- recognize the best english language films like because most of the nominations are english language films but it's just a case of the right place and right time right like yeah, when exactly. the buzz of a film works because often mm-hmm. often uh, all these studios that 
produce or pick up these films they also try their best to tailor a campaign from these film festivals or at the awards so that they themselves end up winning right like just look at netflix netflix is literally out there handing out money to every major director there is david fincher for mank noah bombach for marriage story and there are many other examples quaron for roma quaron for roma uh, exactly. and sorkin for trial of chicago 7 trial of chicago 7 so so naturally even these studios they are also They, of course like we uh, we three we are talking amongst each other we are still giving a lay person perspective now these guys like the the agency like sorry the studio the stu- people at the studio they very well would know the business and the politics of what's happening and accordingly they would campaign mm-hmm. a movie like that so this probably explains yeah. why like i will give you an example when i was in my teens when i was in school mm-hmm. so by that time perks of being a wallflower was released okay and yeah. at that time it was like something very different for a lot of us like uh, as a coming of age film because remember remember this was not the time of a24 dramas and all that so a lot of my yeah. friends really liked the film i myself really liked the film and i was like okay this is based on novel iska to bro this will go in for like oscars for best adapted screenplay so because i personally liked the film so i thought just because i like this film so this will go to the oscars because clearly it's like right, one of the best right. film so often often this is the mm-hmm. case that happens with a lot of people like especially with like a lot of a24 films itself like recently a24 has established its reputation as a you know oscar nominated studio because of films like lady bird and several other films moonlight moonlight of course but then at the same time mm-hmm. we also know that it depends on how the studio plays so a24 recently has had some lovely horror films but we see hardly any of these films making it to these awards like the oscars they yeah. they, they will be universally yeah. praised by all critics audiences will love them there are films like the lighthouse hereditary and so many others so it clearly shows that the oscars have a genre bias they want films yeah. that are dramas human dramas and that white this is something that we've been observing for quite a long time now because i mean ever since the 70s 80s mm-hmm. in the onset of sci-fi cinema as well yeah we've got so many fabulous works in cinema especially from spielberg and kubrick and no, something yeah, like i mean the, they're revolutionary something like the even cinema no there's genre bias though has existed for decades now and i think the the film that came the closest mm-hmm. to actually shatter that glass ceiling was the exorcist which okay. it couldn't right. despite mm-hmm. being the biggest box office phenomenon of the year it lost to i mean it's embarrassing that it lost to the sting out of all films nobody mm-hmm. even cares so, about the sting <laughs> no no one even knows the existence of the that thing exorcist everyone knows exorcist like even the ones who haven't precisely watched it, even no, the ones who haven't watched it and let's yeah. not forget like talking about how the oscars fail to award quality sci-fi and quality horror let's not forget yeah. that the first ever star wars film was nominated but it lost out to woody allen's annie hall fucking annie hall Jesus oh my god. On earth. Oh my god. That's how a visionary sci-fi film. Like there was nothing like it, but it lost to Annie Hall. First of its kind. Because we like watching Woody Allen act like a man child like he does in every film and 
So it yeah, 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 everyone, everyone loved watching Woody Allen obsess over women half his age. Of course. And also and also women who do not like him back. Yep. Emotionally <laughs> unavailable women. Yeah. So he will just rant about it. Basically. So he will just rant. By my boy, Woody Allen is your perfect Imtiazuli hero. He's <laughs> like one-sided. My God. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he will. He will never. Yes, he will never. Like I said, I can't believe the academy actually fell for him ranting about why the titular Annie all cannot like him back because well he's a dick. but and not go for something as visionary as well that that still lives today so like yeah. coming coming back to yeah. this conversation like how even something like sci-fi has not been awarded well at the oscars like something like the movie on which every instagram cinephile page judges on blade runner 2049 blade runner it is it is visually aesthetic it is visually aesthetic it has talented actors like ran gosling and batista and and it is it is a, it's just a, it's just a, like jokes aside it's a great film in general but i am sure the studios backing 2049 blade runner 2049 they were sure that this might win cinematography which it did win but i'm sure they might not have even campaigned it for best picture because they know that this movie doesn't stand a chance So why put our money on yeah. this? Let us campaign for actually, human, actually campaign for a human uh, drama. Like no, no. Is, so uh, um, this actually happened. Uh, uh, so Denis Villeneuve, I think, on the like after the nominations were announced. Yeah. This I I remember reading on IndieWire somewhere. I think. Okay. That Denis Villeneuve Then, actually said that. IndieWire the um, knockoff IndieWire. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. the knockoff IndieWire. <laughs> Fucking um, IndieWire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. I remember he had said that um, that because his film was a box office failure, uh, hence it did not get the kind of support that it would have gotten had his film made I don't know six hundred seven hundred million. And because well, he had already made it into at least the nominations club with Arrival the year mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. He did hope that Blade Runner will also, you know. Enable to sort of welcome him back into the club, hmm. but the fact that it only settled for tech norms, which a couple of them, which it won. See, tech norms, so uh, tech norms, so even Transformers and a Marvel film can also get. To be honest, like precisely, but the, the, that is but the, the fact, most a sci-fi or a horror film could hope for at the Academy, the tech norms, but the, and nothing but above. But the fact that, but what's interesting here is the fact that he mentioned. the significance of box office given how like no matter the critical acclaim no matter how significant a piece of cinematic entry it was in in that year hmm. but just the fact that it did not do business enough no okay hence, so yeah. blade runner 2049 flopped at the box office but even if it was like a big box office hit i'm still sure that it wouldn't yeah. stand a chance at the oscars because yeah. i mean dude like something like the matrix okay like to be honest like abhi yeah. uh, right now matrix might not seem that cool but when it had released it was ahead of its time so something like the matrix yeah. also in my opinion is best picture nomination worthy if not win nomination mm-hmm. worthy but mm-hmm. the oscars mm-hmm. are very narrow minded when it comes genre to genre bias to have definitely yeah. genre Ho- horror and uh, sci-fi and like say i'll give an example when avengers end game released now 
we all can yeah. agree that even if someone did not like end game that much we can't deny that end game was a pop culture event in itself i mean yeah. the previous generations they used to hype over the first star wars films and all for our generation it is the marvel cinematic universe and how it culminated yeah. in end game so what i yeah, it's a piece of cinema that's going to go down in history obviously yeah so even if end game might not be the most artistically superior film i still feel it is worthy of you know going to awards just because of the historical significance of it you know how it has mm-hmm. entertained people from all over the world across all barriers all language barriers but in terms it, of being an event it was at yes, par with these it is an event but then i'm sure that now uh, end game was produced by disney right Now, Disney, despite all its resources, all its power, Disney would have never ever campaigned for Endgame for Best Picture because they know that it's a very populist exactly. film. It's a very superhero. It's a superhero yeah. genre film. So why would Oscars honor a superhero film? Oscars, they don't give a shit. Now, okay, yeah, there might be exceptions mm-hmm. like Black Panther, but then Black Panther Black had Panther. another narrative to it. Black Panther was important because we have never had such a grand, majestic black superhero like that, and in terms of aesthetic mm-hmm. value and all too. But so, like, that's my point that such movies, no matter how good they are, they just because of the genre itself. Okay, like Endgame, you can still say it's a very mainstream box office film. But then, as I said, even a Blade Runner twenty forty nine or any good sci fi, any good horror film. even if it had good box office collections the oscars just seem to be tone deaf about it they don't give a shit they only yeah. care about box office collection if it's bohemian rhapsody and it's, bohemian it's not only the <laughs> it's not only the academy themselves that have this inherent uh, sort of uh, genre bias mm-hmm. but the same genre bias is assimilated by the studios the the distributors yeah, yeah. and uh, campaign they don't even yeah they don't even care yeah. for films that are not important yeah, and, and something see, like I, disney they wouldn't even think twice i mean let's because, not i mean, I mean I, okay okay let's not forget yeah, yeah. like since we're talking yeah. about the superhero genre and well genre bias and of course touching yeah. once again on none other than uh, weinstein he capitalized on that same genre bias when he campaigned the reader against the dark knight against dark knight oh god mm-hmm. let's see dark knight and, is an and artistic he Dark Knight is not even like as we all know it's not even like a typical comic book film it's an it's a piece of artistic yeah. cinema like as much as i hate yeah. nolan fanboys i could still say that dark knight deserved way more nominations it deserved original screenplay it deserved best picture adapted you mean ah sorry adapted, adapted screenplay adapted screenplay best best picture but again like because it's a batman film these voters would not even consider it they like seriously exactly No, yeah, so, and, and so, precisely, uh, they this, went for a panned World War Two film. Like nobody gives a shit Rich. about the reader. I know Rishabh who has watched the reader, and I have two more other friends who have watched the reader, and all three have said it's shit. Like it's not that I don't know, like Oscar worthy <laughs> or something. It is, also, it is. It uh, is. Also, no, so this this brings me to a very interesting conclusion. Uh, we all all of us know that the Oscars are biased, and the Oscars would uh, favor the English speaking world. But even in the English speaking world. it just ends up favoring specific genres like historical dramas human dramas yeah uh movies yeah. about i don't know addiction family issues biography biography whatever and like so that's why sci-fi like has a long way to go maybe next year mm-hmm. we have we are, we are getting dune 
maybe dune can break the mold but i don't know like at this point i can't even say i i think i read an interesting statistic that yeah. over 93% of all best picture winners are dramas yep but also also right. while we while we discussed uh, particular genres being excluded let us talk about the most exclusion in my opinion the most exclusionary genre at the oscars uh, the category at the oscars best international feature i mean right. the right. whole concept of it is flawed because this world has like 150 to 200 countries and you just have a category with five nominations so five nominations are supposed to represent the entire world so world cinema it's just it's like it's like a tokenistic category like you know we will pick up some european country ek do asian countries utha lenge and voila there we go and ho gaya yeah that's it yeah and yeah. like you know okay so this, this is one the, like this is one point that i specifically want to address for our indian listeners what happens is that you know people in india they feel that when will india win an oscar and all that but that is because like it is flawed it's a flawed argument because india itself when it sends particular films as their submission it it's a very uh, mixed it's a very polarizing venture because what happens is oscars are not picking up the official submission from each country it's the government it's the ministry of culture or specific bodies in each country so like so like uh, france will decide which film to send as a shortlist india will decide which film to send and then eventually the oscars will pick up five films out of the submissions now that can be weird mm-hmm. because last each year each country is only allowed to submit one film right submit one film yes but like that again is the shortlist first they shortlist to 15 films and then usme se they pick yeah five. so every country and india even does not make it to the shortlist yeah so that's what i'm saying yeah, india- and it's already problematic in itself because india offers such a wide diverse range of films from all languages of the subcontinent so just yeah. picking one film out of those potential thousands which is, is which is also prepared. in more often than not it's i mean they pick like uh, films of the establishment no, and films of bollywood uh, establishment so so often like like this year three, was an exception but three, three mostly movies, three indian films have been nominated finally in the final category mother india yeah. lagan and salam bombay and salam bombay all three films talk mm. about oppression you know i'm not saying that all three films are poverty poverty porn, porn. but they talk about oppression okay and salam I, bombay so definitely salam bombay is poverty porn. so this is something that the whites would love like you know oh indian people half even, naked even indian people india, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly so it so you can't say that you know the best of india will be picked or the best of any foreign language will be picked by the oscars like let us look at the submissions that india itself pitches right as i said every country sends one submission last year we sent jalikattu which again is a critically acclaimed film so it is understandable why india submitted it before jalikattu yeah. India submitted Gully Boy <clears throat> as its yeah, official yeah. submission. Now Gully Boy yeah. is a mainstream blockbuster film. Like Indians themselves, not all Indians even like that film. So it is not even a yeah. you know unanimous choice in my opinion. So that's why like I think it's the most useless category, best international feature. And as Ayan pointed out, one country can send only one nomination, and this again gets problematic. What if a country has like some really good two three films? in one year this exactly happened for with example, you know. for example <laughs> for example 
ஒரு Which, as we all know, is a film that has grown to be universally oh. loved and praised. So, yeah. and and which is which is precisely why, like, what people don't understand hmm. is that the reason that it didn't make it to the Oscars to begin with was because France did not submit it at the Academy at all. It was not even considered mm-hmm. because Les Mis took its spot. So this brings us to the final segment. Uh, in the lifespan of a film during award season and that is the award ceremonies themselves there are a bunch of um, precursor award ceremonies that build up to the ultimate which is the final awards ceremony the academy awards themselves and they play an important role in deciding the fate of a film and how it stands the test of the award season as we make our way to the academy and well i mean rishab you can probably elucidate on that yeah this whole yeah, conversation it, on precursors what are precursors so so with the precursors what we are try, what essentially it does is that when we look at the precursors it sort of demystifies this whole idea that a lot of people have about the oscars of oh what's winning and it's going to be full of surprises and it's random and it's unknowable it's not it essentially is more or less sealed beforehand so according to you the winners at almost every oscar ceremony they are quite predictable way before they are predictable because they have the support of the precursors and these precursors are nothing but the award ceremonies that lead up to the academy awards so for instance traditionally how we understand the precursors is we divided into broadly two categories which is one the critics awards the regional critics which begin around november on december and then the actual industry quote unquote awards which are the your guilds and your baftas and then all of that so globe somewhere stand like as a bridge to the critics and the industry awards because the globes are not the industries but they're also not the critics so they're just completely so this, random so and just, in between so just give us they're exa- in between so just give us examples how does a winner at the golden globes or a winner at the baftas what does that have to say what does a win at the globes or the baftas have to say about the oscars So firstly I'll begin with the regional critics awards I'm not going to dwell in great detail on them because okay. there are way too many so um essentially what happens is that through these um regional critics awards we do get a semblance of what exactly is in the conversation we just get a hint of what contenders are being talked about what categories essentially okay what are the contenders that are being talked about the most mm-hmm. and 
that essentially helps to bring a lot of under the radar contenders or a lot of contenders that we did not expect into the conversation so the regional critics basically uh, set the pre- precedent for oscar buzz but yeah. when it comes to the globes now the globes are pretty much the launching pad for actual narratives to be sort of built okay because with the globes hmm. like okay think of the globes as practice for speeches like <laughs> if a contender wins yeah. and if a contender gives a very strongly moving speech uh-huh. how does that impact the room like this is how it studied like this is how the globes are sort of seen as okay so right so in most of yeah. the globes globes because yeah. it demarcates between comedy and drama categories but mostly yeah. we have seen in the drama categories often the best actor or best actress they go on to win at the oscars yeah they do uh, they do more often than not they do if a film at the globes wins best picture drama in the drama category yeah what chances yeah. does that film have at the oscars like is it very predictable for that film to repeat its feat at the oscars or not it... really okay not really because so that's the thing um the globe sort of which is why i said there are sort of this bridge between the critics wala phase and the industry awards to finally follow hmm. because the globes again the globes like to think of themselves as an independent Like hmm. because there are of course ninety journalists who randomly give out prizes essay and they they think that they're important. <laughs> of course, more often than not, I think they do restrict themselves to predicting the actual Academy Awards. They think mm-hmm. that that's mm-hmm. their job. Yeah. Sometimes they throw in a few curveballs, but most often than not, they they do sort of want to set precedent for the Academy. So tell us about the BAFTAs, the British Film Awards. What do the how do the yeah. BAFTAs determine? an oscar contender's fate so the with the baftas it's it's actually so with the baftas it's been quite interesting because for the longest time they mm. never used to be actual um they never used to be predictors or precursors for the oscars they always in fact until 1999 or 2000 actually mm. they used to happen after the oscars then they never took place before But okay. ever since two thousand, hmm. ever since the year of Gladiator and Crouching hmm. Tiger and Traffic, <clears throat> that's when they began to take place before the Academy. And ever since then, um, in some cases, yes, they have determined seven years or so. Hmm. Their winner for Best Film has differed from the Academy choice. So, okay, we thought that last year, and even the year before, um. Hmm. with roma and 1917 hmm. we thought yeah. that these two films will go on to win at the academy even hmm. three billboards for that matter but the fact that they didn't and even oh. and, and let's not forget even la la land so there seems to be like what we sort of colloquially term as the bafta curse bafta curse <laughs> which is yeah. which is like yes if you win best film at baftas then you know like you're pretty much done with because Yeah, it hasn't happened in seven years for a row. So this year, yeah. best picture. Yeah, this year and who, this who, year, Nomadland won. But Nomadland, Nomadland is also expected to be the best picture frontrunner. Yeah, first film, 
Okay, so see, so for this season, how does what all you've summed up translate to things in this season? Because we've had the Globes, we've had Critics' Choice, and we've had the BAFTAs as well. So how do things look for this season thus far? So, right, I mean, the conventional wisdom says that, yes, it is now Nomadland, uh, Nomadlands to lose because not only it has swept the entire season thus mm. far mm. with yeah. all of these wins and even especially at globes and but i think there is pretty much there is pretty much no other film in competition to take its place yeah which is what the narrative has been this year because it sort of feels like this this insurmountable front runner that will that has no competition essentially so mm-hmm. it can and, be an exception to your yeah. bafta curse despite no it can line. be i think Winning. I think it can be, even though, of course, last year we thought that, you know, 1917, given its very late surge at the Globes and, and BAFTA, we yeah. thought that this is the film that can it do it. It could probably beat the BAFTA curse, break it. Yeah, yeah. But, but did we though? Did, did we though? I, I, I mean, I was pretty sure that Parasite would win Best Picture. I was convinced that Sam Mendes might pick up Best Director, maybe. Worst comes to yeah. us. Yeah, but I think, but still, I think the conventional wisdom still said that it is 1917s to lose. Of course, you know. But okay. again, I have a feeling. I think it's going to be Nomadland only because, also, also, one more thing, one more thing. Yeah. It it also has to be Nomadland, I think, or at best trial. But I don't think it's going to be trial. Yeah. Because we uh we we actually forgot to like touch upon this, but there has been a very important statistic. and this is what it comes to sadly like the oscar game essentially comes down to maths and statistics, statistics which and are, patterns which yeah. is quite sad but this is how it is yeah um but one of the primary statistics that we read hmm. in the beginning of the race yeah is with the golden globes okay and with the golden globes hmm. every contender every hmm. every single best picture winner hmm. has had nominations for not just best picture drama at the globes yeah but also director and screenplay yeah so i sort of call it the holy trifecta and yeah. if a film <laughs> does not get the holy trifecta at the globes it won't get into sort of best picture that that film essentially will not win best picture so this which year, are the films that got the trifecta this year um nomadland Hmm. Yeah. promising young woman the trial of the yeah. chicago 7 and mank yeah so but mank as we know does not have screenplay does not have original screenplay and best film editing at the academy which by the way are also very significant okay wait if you so, don't have uh-huh. those nominations i, I kind of you don't win out. i kind of missed out this trifecta at the globes yeah uh, what categories does it include um it includes best picture drama or uh-huh. best picture musical comedy whatever uh-huh um best director and best screenplay ha but abhi you said editing like mank missed out on editing no that i was talking about the academy so okay. the original so it missed out on original screenplay and editing at the academy so that too is at any way over it's so not wait, winning so, any more so, because so, it does not so have passion so if a film is not nominated for screenplay or editing and editing at the oscar so it doesn't stand a chance at winning best picture 
which is yet another pattern that has been observed which is yet another years. pattern no, but yeah. how, how like you, okay, I, i can still understand how screenplay is a major category but how is editing a major category like wait there there can't be a best picture winner that doesn't have good editing no i mean i mean the <laughs> last film, the the, see <laughs> the last film to the last film to do that yeah. the last film to not have an editing nomination at the mm. academy yeah and win best picture was mm. birdman okay but birdman had that narrative of wo single take wala ke oh it's like essentially uh, just the whole film is one take so yeah, well, it was pretty that. edgy for its time yeah but so no but this, this that, is very this is very weird like who would have thought editing to be such a defining category precisely so precisely precisely, precisely but that but that is a pattern that has been observed over the years and it's something like again like i said it is a statistic mm-hmm. that cannot be ignored so like like i said another statistic i man, think at the academy itself is that for a film to even be considered to win best picture is that it has to have at least one writing nomination definitely a directing nomination and at least one acting listen, nomination that, right that that directing wala has been sort of disproved over the years especially in re- recently because okay. green book did not have best director argo did not have best director mm-hmm. so that has been disproved still but all of these films still had editing that's just weird like i would have never imagined that is weird that is weird and the fact that before birdman uh-huh. the film to win best picture without editing was ordinary people in 1980 Okay, fuck. That's a long time. <laughs> that's a very yeah. long time. Like the fact that it's like the 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 fact that it's that strong a statistic is yeah. quite astonishing. But it is the way it is apparently, and there's no explanation for that. But it's just a reduction to patterns and statistics that we see, which is what yeah. makes the race very very conventional, very predictable, very. I don't know. It, there is no randomness to it. There is a very sort of preordained method. So Oscar, this is how it's going to be. So Oscar, which has been sort of the crux of our episode this, thus far, hasn't it? That the yeah. Oscars are not random. They're not unpredictable, and there there is definitely a method to the madness, right? So yes. The moral of the story is that Oscars are basic. <laughs> <laughs> Oscars are quite basic. Like you can just measure them according to statistics mostly. Oscars are basic, and please don't watch. All, I mean, all three of us, despite criticizing Oscars as much as we want, we still watch yeah. the Oscars every year. Ooh. So we are guilty <laughs> of that. We, we, we still follow the race. The academy. We still love the academy. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a very toxic. I think I think I yes, I think I I think I said that way before that okay. I have a very toxic relationship where. I just, I don't know. It's just I expect. It, I I I I expect. Like it's like for three months, this the academy will sort of promise me everlasting love and fidelity, and then they sort of just leave. Yeah, because March and April. I mean, I know. Like as we discuss, sort of break my heart. As we discuss, we know the Oscars are biased. We know the Oscars don't take up. uh good foreign language films we know the oscars don't take up even other genres like sci-fi and superhero and still yeah. we just like and i'm sure not just us like many other so called uh, cinephiles even they they I'm all pretty sure, watch 
Yeah, the majority opinion is that the Oscars are shit and they're outdated at this point. But we still love seeing the results, love talking about the results, right. and love consuming the films that end up getting nominated. Exactly. So I guess that's all, and we'll wrap this up. May the mm-hmm. May the best picture win. All right. I guess we'll wrap up now. This may or may not be an extremely long episode, depending on by we film are... editing. Is me to is sorry best sound editing. <laughs> इसमें इसमें होगा बेस्ट फिल्म एडिटिंग सो मच फुटेज टू कट नाउ मुझे दो भाई ऑनररी ऑस्कर फॉर बेस्ट साउंड एडिटिंग लॉर्ड ऑफ द रिंग्स ड्यूरेशन एपिसोड नीड टू कट डाउन लॉट एंड दूस टू शॉप नो वन केयर्स